Welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. Coming up today is another two-part episode with my guests Laverne Vivio and Donnie Anthony. We get things started with Laverne next. You know, we're into the month of October, so the season of pumpkin spice is upon us. And nobody does it better than American Pride Roasters Coffee and their first Thanksgiving blend. Speaking of the first Thanksgiving, did you know that the first Thanksgiving was celebrated in 1621 over the course of three days? It included 50 pilgrims and 90 Wampanoag Indians. Turkey wasn't even on the menu, but I bet it'll be on yours. And you know what else should be? APR Coffee. Head over to aprcoffee.com, try the pumpkin spice flavored first Thanksgiving blend, and be ready with the flavor of fall. And don't forget to use offer code ATM at checkout, and you're going to get 10% off your purchase. It's pumpkin spice season. Get that first Thanksgiving blend at aprcoffee.com, promo code ATM for 10% off. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Laverne Vivio is a well-known radio personality in Nashville, Tennessee, with a heart for veterans and veteran causes. She and I recorded this conversation you're about to hear before the recent events in Afghanistan, but I know she would have some thoughts on that as well. I hope you enjoy getting to know Laverne and the things that she holds near and dear to her heart as we get our first conversation started on this edition of At The Mic. Joined by Laverne Vivio today. This is awesome. She is somebody that the Blaze television and radio audience are very familiar with. Uh, how have you been doing, Laverne? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Keith. Um, you know, I went back to Tennessee and just kind of, you know, let God lead my path. So I'm doing fabulous. So you're back in Tennessee. Tell uh-huh. everybody what you're doing these days and where they can catch up with you. Well, you know, it's really kind of weird because the question is always, you know, what am I doing in broadcasting? And really, I thought that I had retired out of broadcasting when I was a traffic reporter for 28 years. And that ended in 2012. And at that time, I was, I don't know, I was kind of burned out. And I thought, well, that's okay. And then I had the opportunity to come and work at the Blaze for a year and a half was a complete surprise. And it was only time I've ever done television. I absolutely loved it. And when all of that ended, I came back to Tennessee and I thought, okay, well, let's, let's, what's, what's my new chapter? And so as I got here and got to work and it was really kind of funny because while I was at the blaze, a lot of the stuff with the Coptic Christians had started happening. Right. And I got back into Nashville and some friends of mine just knew that they were on my heart and I had just really been wanting to do something with the Coptic Christian community. Because you remember, they were the first ones that were killed on the beach and and that was all kind of going on whenever I moved back to Nashville. And I never moved Mm -hmm. to Texas. I commuted back and forth, believe it or not. It was kind of chaotic. But Oh my goodness, uh, that had to be very difficult, huh? But it it was fun, but it was a little crazy. So when when I stopped coming back and forth to Texas, And I was here in Nashville and I I had said a lot about the Coptic Christians and some friends of mine had a couple of guys that were Coptic Orthodox and they went to church with them, introduced me to them to me. And and I just kind of 
stumbled into helping them with English classes with the ones that were just getting here into America. They were just immigrated. Well, that caught the attention of my benevolence minister of the church. I attend the Madison Church of Christ and have been there since 1989. Well, the benevolence minister knew that I had been laid off and that I was just kind of between jobs and didn't really know where I was, what I was going to do. And he says, are you still looking for a job? And I said, yeah. And he had heard what I was doing with the Coptic community and doing the English second language classes. And he says, why don't you come work at the benevolence center for me? And I was like, well, yeah, sure. Part time, you know, until I can figure out what I'm going to do because I was I've got a communications degree I was thinking I was going to probably try to get a communications director type position or some kind of a communications position somewhere and at my age though those interviews just weren't happening so I was like okay so I went to work at the benevolence center fell in love with that and then the missions committee at the church said oh what are you doing up there well we need some help over here so I kind of became the liaison from the missions committee to the congregation so I had these two part-time jobs within my church that became kind of full-time and then um, I still needed some other things going on and I get a phone call from my friends up in Robertson County at WSGI WDBL and they had been trying to get me to come in and do a talk show for many, many years. And this is, you know, while I was doing traffic and I never had time. And they asked me again, they said, well, hey, will you come in and do a talk show? And I told them, I said, I, I really just don't have, a, you know, the time to do it. And it turned out that the guy that had been on for like 15 years was moving. And the one hour of the day that I was available, 7 to 8 a.m., was when <laughs> they wanted me to do it. And I'm like, well, you know, it just so happens I can do that hour. So I got pulled back into radio and I got I, honestly oh, Keith, I've had more fun doing this little talk show, talking to Mayor Vogel and city managers and the sheriff and just different ones. That it's so much fun, and uh, I just can't oh, cool. say enough about it. But it's we've had a blast. We've been doing that for over two years now. That station just went uh, full Christian on both sides, and you can be heard, we can be heard worldwide now. You can get the WSGI app. And you can download that, and you can listen to my show, 7 to 8 a.m., and you can hear it anywhere. It's really cool. And that we even have, I guess I got I got the TV bug at the Blaze, and so I like doing video all the time. And so we run a stream. We run a video stream on it, and we just have a blast. We're having a lot of fun with it. Oh, and I'm a grandma now, too, oh. twice, times two. <laughs> Okay, well, we're going we're gonna to cover a lot of ground. I can't wait to talk about this stuff. Okay, so let's go back to the beginning. You were born okay. in Mayfield, Kentucky. You grew up in western Kentucky, but you ended up going to two universities, right? Right. I went to Freed Harmon first and then to Lipscomb, which okay. is in both Tennessee, both Tennessee universities. And, and you already mentioned there that you went to school for broadcasting. Tell me about it. Well, see, I didn't start out, you know, because that's one thing I always get, because I've, I've had such a fun career in broadcasting. Everybody thinks that I've always wanted to do this, and I never mm-hmm. even thought about doing it. And that's what's so funny, because I played basketball through high school, and uh, when th- we were really good. We got beat like six times in four years, because we were just big old country girls, mm-hmm. and you just couldn't mess with us. And so they would interview <laughs> us on the radio, and they... Gary Kidd, he, was, he always, I want to interview Laverne. She sounds good on the radio. Never thought a thing about it. But now I was always a public speaker. I was, you know, that type of thing. But it never entered right. my mind. But at Freed Hardeman in Henderson, Tennessee, they have a radio station, college radio station. And I was there sitting in chapel one day. 
It's a Christian college, so they have you know organized chapel, and they just happened to say we need people to do news on the college station, and I remembered what Gary had told me all those years ago, and I thought, well, that might be fun, and I went mm-hmm. down and I started doing news, and I changed my major the next, I mean, immediately, because I, I spent one semester as a teaching major, and then changed it the very next semester okay. fell in love with it yeah. and so i went um i was the came i was the news director at one point during my time at freed hardeman ended up coming to nashville and that's another very long story that we don't have time to get into but um <laughs> but it's in my book if you want to read the book but i went to nashville and went to lipscomb david lipscomb university and uh, when I got there, knew immediately I needed to find a job. I was on campus, but I wasn't really connecting with anything. And so I didn't really, I, I was trying to finish my degree. But funny thing is, I got in the Yellow Pages and I started just looking at radio stations and I found WLAC in the Yellow Pages. And so I called the news director, Carlos Clemente, I'll never forget it. And he did an interview with me and hired me as a board op for the weekend. And so I started working there and just pestered the heck out of him because I wanted to get on the air. But I'd I'd never been in. I mean, Nashville's a big market. And I'd only been on the little little college radio station. Just pestered him. And they finally let me fill in on Christmas um, just a few months after I got there <laughs> and they were like, okay, you want to be on the air? Come on. Well, since I was willing to do that, they asked me, I mean, it was like a week later, wanted to know if I could do traffic. I was like, sure, I can do traffic because they wanted to do somebody just to fill in. And so I had no clue. And so I listened to some of the local, you know, traffic reporters and I got a feel for it and just started, you know, doing traffic reports, listening to the scanner and, you know, doing the report. Yeah. And now, wait, wait, when did you earn that nickname? You turn Laverne. Well, see, that's what happened. I was basically a fill in traffic reporter, but it was the, it was kind of the trend at the time to have a nickname. And so the guys on yeah. the air said, what do we call her? This is Laverne doing traffic. What do we call her? A listener called in and said, call her U-Turn Laverne. And there's, <laughs> now, some of the guys I work with like to take credit for that, but I swear, you know, that's 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 how I've had several people tell me they heard the listener call in and, and do that. And so, yeah. you know, from that point on, I became U-Turn. And because the name was so catchy, I mean, I did 28 years as U-Turn Laverne. That it's, is awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's better than my friend who goes by the name Lane Turner. Uh-huh. Um, I, I mean, it. it's better than mine that a guy forced me to be when I was filling in. Um, I wanted to go by some, you know, really cool name, but uh, he just asked me what my middle name was, and I told him Thomas, and he stopped for a second. He said, okay, you are Tom Taylor with traffic. And I said, <laughs> that's terrible. But anyway, it was only a, it was only one day that I had to do traffic in a pinch. But yeah. so that's really neat that, yeah. that um, you had a listener give you your yeah. name on the air there. I ran for Congress under that name, too. So I think that's kind of funny. That's <laughs> I that is cool. That is cool. Would you ever run for office again? If if God opens the door, yeah. I, I really, honestly, yeah. that's one of those things I really struggled with. It's like, should I do this? And I really felt like I was exactly what I was supposed to do. Um, you know, didn't do very well because I had no money. And uh, you have to have money in politics. And that's the thing. Yeah. Um, if uh, I will do it again if God makes the way, makes it very clear, and there's financial backing there. 
I'll, I'll do whatever God leads me to do. But I, I saw very clearly, and there were several people, several of us that kind of wanted to see, and I was kind of encouraged by some folks to see what the nickname could bring to the table in this area. Mm-hmm. And it brought about 10,000 votes. So, you know, and not not too shabby, but it's a start. So, yeah. you know, if, if God That's takes cool. me there, absolutely I'll run again. But I'm, I mean, I just, I just really want to live the purpose he has for me. So if that's part of it, let's go. Whatever. So. so you grew up in Kentucky. You live in Tennessee. So your life has really been centered right in that area of the country. Yeah. You grew up with both a brother and a sister. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that you lost your sister of cancer a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, how close were you guys? You know, we got close um, in the end. We were really close when we were little and, of course, you know, drifted apart like a lot of teens do. And um, so so we had a a very um, kind of a rocky relationship many times during our lives. But um, in the in maybe the last five, 10 years, we got really close. And especially once she got her cancer diagnosis, she actually came and went to an event. Um, that I went with with Glenn, uh, her and my cousin, and she she said she knew that she already knew at that time she hadn't been diagnosed, but she knew something was up. You know, I, I look back on it, and I just I just treasure every minute that I had with her after her diagnosis, and she lived longer than they ever thought she would. Um, so when when you get a diagnosis like that, just you know, trust in God, trust that you know, let the doctors do what they can do, and just throw everything at it, but just don't ever stop praying. And um, you know she's she's home. She's she's got that she's got that heavenly. She's hanging out with dad. You know her and my dad. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm happy for her. Sad for us because I do miss her. I miss her. Yeah. So so family is obviously very important to you. Um, t- please tell us about your husband Mark. And you've got four sons. Uh-huh. Tell us about everybody. Okay. Well, Mark. Oh my gosh, we've been married. Huh? We got married in 88, so we're going, what, on 34? This will be 34 this, no, 33. This will be 33 this year, I think, if I'm doing, I got to do, I can't do God's math on the, the fly. Math to you. I can't do math right. on the fly, right? I've, I've, been married, I've been married, I've been married more than 30 years, so there's the, there's the important thing, right? So um, I've been married more than 30 years, and, um, you know, just, just a great guy, somebody that, you know, Whenever you're younger and you're thinking, oh, I want to date that person. I want to have this relationship. And I think back on all those. I love the old Garth Brooks song, Unanswered Prayers, because you had all these things that you wanted in your life. And this guy, he is from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Okay, and if you if you know, I mean, that's between Lake Superior and Lake Michigan. So, I mean, he's like intense northerner. And I'm from Kentucky. So how in the world does God bring those two together? And it's one of those stories, it's just it's just weird how our paths crossed and how we got together, and we're so different in so many ways, but we have just weathered through so much that um, uh, we're just we're just rock solid and just love each other a lot, and uh, we just have, you know, we just have a lot of fun. We, we work a lot, but that's good, because we like to work, and that's great. We've, we've got four boys, and um, the twins will be 30 this year. I mean, I got one that's a systems engineer and doing great, and has two kids, married to a beautiful, beautiful Christian girl, Erica, and then um, his twin is works in psychology with a 
troubled kids. Oh, wow. And he's an amazing young man, um, has his master's in psychology, and is married to a beautiful Christian girl, Rachel, and she's a, a librarian at the college that I went to, Freed Hardeman. It's really funny. Just an amazing couple. They got married this past year during the pandemic. God bless them. And then um, my third son is the one that served in the military. And he's no, he's a veteran now. You know, he did a uh, tour in the army, came out as a sergeant, served in, served in Afghanistan, and super proud of of his military service. But he's got a beautiful Christian yeah. bride too, Christina. They got married during the pandemic. We had two weddings during the pandemic, so it's just a it was wow. insane. Wow. And uh, he is uh, going to college, trying to follow in his his brother's footsteps that's the systems engineer he wants to do that kind of work and then i have my youngest that's really he's not officially an electrical engineer yet he's like a class or two but he's already been working for a an aerospace company down in uh, huntsville so uh he's he's doing they're, they're doing great talk about my kids man i love to brag on my kids they are amazing <laughs> <laughs> they're awesome and they're i got two grandkids mama. now and it's just we're just we're just how cool we're just you know we're just really fortunate and very blessed and just thankful every day for all the That's good cool. stuff, you that know, all, so the, all the good stuff, all the journey. And so you and I originally met through the blaze where yeah. you worked. You've held other jobs in your life. I, I've got to touch on the time you spent selling cars because, <gasps> yeah, my, my grandfather actually sold cars for one month and he sold exactly one car. <laughs> what was your car selling experience like for you? Oh, incredible people. <laughs> incredible people that I got to work with and got to meet, but I hated it with every fiber of my being. And when one, was this in your life? Uh, it was between when I, okay, when I got when I got laid off from traffic after 28 years. You know, radio is a, you know, kind of a, a nasty business. And I had it's done... brutal. It really is. And I had been doing traffic for 28 years. I got laid off on on a phone call in the middle of my shift, all right, in 2012. Well, okay, hold on, time out. Let's stop. Yeah. Let's stop for just a second. <laughs> I'm Hang kidding. on a second. Yeah. Because everybody in the business has lost their job oh, at, yeah. at least one time or yeah. another. But it's always, if you're on air, it's always after your shift they don't dare get you back in front of a microphone after you've been terminated you're telling me they told you in the middle of a shift well they didn't put me what back on the air i was gone okay. they had somebody come okay. back in well what's really funny okay. is because i knew that i had a i had a conference call they were asking me to be a part of and my my buddy tom peace who also did a time some time at the blaze doing news yeah. uh tom peace was my boss at the time my program director and i called him and said hey you know anything about this meeting that i'm having at such and such he goes no i don't know anything about it well guess who got the next phone call tom Oh boy. They fired him that day oh. too. Yeah, yeah. It's just there's something. See, that's so nice. very similar to, <laughs> I was the program director in Charleston, South Carolina, and there uh-huh. was a big meeting going on with everybody that I typically have meetings with, and I walked right. by this conference room and I saw everybody in there and I mentioned to someone, I said, What what's this meeting over here? Yeah. And I was told, oh, that's the hurricane preparedness meeting, getting ready for uh, hurricane coverage, because that's a big deal in Charleston. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. If I, the program director, the guy (laughs) running the news talk station in Charleston, South Carolina, hasn't been invited to the hurricane preparedness and how we're going to cover it meeting, there's a problem. And and yes, I found out uh, that... (laughs) 
uh, you're gone. But here's so the thing. Anyhow. But you got to go work at the Blaze. So it, 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 it that ended, yeah. but then something opened up. And that was the thing. Had yeah. I not been laid off, Keith, I would have never tried for that job at the blaze and it was such a fun fun thing to do i'm so thankful for that opportunity you know i would have never even thought about doing that had i not been laid off because i mean i had a good solid job why would i take a chance to do something crazy like you know go down to texas and work when i'm a tennessean (laughs) you know and so it, it gave me that freedom but but what happened see when i got laid off i had been there so long i had some severance so i had some time to catch my breath well my husband was kind of, he's had some health issues and stuff, and he was kind of in the middle of that journey. And so we were kind of trying to figure out what we were going to do. And then his dad got sick and passed away. And we kind of caught our breath and got back from that. And then two weeks later, my dad died. And so we we just had kind of like one of those Mack truck moments where you just kind of go, okay, <laughs> you know, what do we do now? And so I can remember just thinking, well, I've got to earn money. So I started thinking, you know, I don't really want to commute to a job that I'm getting just to get a job. You know, I didn't want to have to drive to Nashville. And so I thought, okay, is there something local I can do? So I don't have to commute. And I live in Springfield, Tennessee. And so I didn't want to have to deal with traffic, having dealt with traffic for so many years, right? So mm-hmm. I, I heard that they were looking for a um, somebody to work in the office at Payne Chevrolet. And I knew those guys, and I called them. I said, hey, you know, I'm looking for something, just, you know, something to, 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 to some place to land right now. Well, the sales manager calls me, and he's like, oh, I want you to come sell cars. And he, and, and I was actually, when he called me, I was with my mother in Kentucky, because for the first little bit after daddy died i would go up on sunday take her to church and then just stay a day and and because i because i was unemployed i had the freedom to do that you know but i was getting to that place where i was going to have to find a job so i'm in kentucky at my mom's and i get that call and i was like selling cars they wanted to maximize the u-turn laverne moniker because i'm i'm still u-turn laverne that's why i said i ran for congress under the name every (laughs) i I do the talk show as u-turn laverne because that, that i do here because that's how people know me i mean it's just my right. nickname and so that's that will always be my nickname so they wanted to have you turn sell cars right so yeah it was fine i, I love the people love the people <laughs> i just I'm, I'm not i told him i said you know i'm not a car person right i said i drive old cars i drive them until they fall out from under me i don't care about cars i said i'm not a car person oh that'll be okay and so i sold cars and the thing i didn't like about it is there's just an element of pressuring people into doing some things and you know buying cars and when the they wanted to get the numbers up at a certain time they, they'd push just a little bit harder and i just didn't like being a part of that and so I had, it was really kind of funny because I had had a particularly bad day. And they, you know, not, not me, but some other folks that I worked with, they kind of pushed a, a vehicle on somebody, but it was somebody I'd been talking to. So I kind of had to stay a part of it. I couldn't just say, hey, run away from these people, you know. And um, it was just a bad experience. And I got home and it was very late at night. And I just was praying. I was like, what is going on, God? Is this really what you have for me? And I promise you. If not that night, maybe the next night, I had sent, Glenn and I had had been friends, you know, for a while, and we would email back and forth, you know, just just knowing each other through radio, and I'd sent him, I'd seen on, or heard on the show, I'd listened to the, I'd always listened in after the show, like in the podcast or something, because I wasn't where I could listen live, and I'd heard where they were talking about trying to get the live commercial host, 
And I sent him a note and I sent him an email and I said, I said, what if I did that and then just came back and forth on the weekends? And he goes, you want to try out? And I said, you know, I think I do. And then at that point, he says, well, you got to go through the process. And he sent me, you know, over, he sent me the link and told me, said, send it, send, send your tryout tape to this, to this place. And so I got a friend of mine that, um, as a matter of fact, that came in here and helped me set up my audio today. Todd Hibbs came over to my house and we recorded what I thought was kind of an infomercial kind of thing. And I sent it to the guys going through the, the audition tapes and got that phone call that they wanted me to come out and, uh, and, and see what I could do. And so the blaze rescued me from the car lot <laughs> for oh, sure in a very big way. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was just a wonderful experience. It was great. You had mentioned earlier how busy you are and how it was so fortuitous that the one hour a day that you're available, the talk show became a an option for you mm-hmm. but when you do take some time to kind of relax and and participate in some hobbies i know that you're musically inclined you yeah. can sing you play several instruments not well i gotta though. know <laughs> well not well but you said you recently picked up the mandolin yeah um that sounds like fun I, and it's really kind of funny because I have tried to play guitar my entire life. I had a really great piano teacher when I was a kid and didn't pay any attention. It was my aunt. She was fabulous. And I was just a very, you know, they say, they call the kids ADD now. I'm sure, I mean, that's who I am. But back then they just told us to sit down and behave. You know, so I'm, I was just one of those that you could not tie down. And so my right. poor Aunt Ruby tried and tried to teach me piano. And, and I just never really could focus on it so I picked up I, I, I grew up in the area where Stephen Curtis Chapman grew up and his dad you know the con- contemporary artist Stephen Curtis Chapman his dad Herb had had Chapman music and so if you took guitar in western Kentucky you took from Herb so uh, I thought well I'll, I'll start learning guitar and so I got to take guitar lessons from Stephen Curtis Chapman's dad Stephen even taught me a couple of lessons and I still can't play the thing worth a flip but I can pick at it a little bit so I've been you know toying with the guitar my whole life and I told my kids over well coming up on Christmas they were asking what I wanted for Christmas I said you know I said I think I want a mandolin I said because I've I've always wanted to play an instrument and I don't think I've played the right instrument and I said mandolin is really one of my favorite instruments and I thought why have I never tried to play it well I didn't think they would buy me a mandolin well one of my sons Caleb bought me a mandolin for Christmas and I have a good friend that's his one of his main instruments and so he's been teaching me and what's really funny I've got um, one of the things I do up here at church uh, for the Benevolent Center is I coordinate the Meals on Wheels program. We have this sweet couple that even during the pandemic, we had to let them go back out and start delivering meals because they would not stay home. He's 90, and I think she's like 88. Bill Agee is uh, an old retired postman, but he can play guitar banjo and mandolin and so now he's coming up in the kitchen just this just today he's asking me how i'm doing on my mandolin and when i'm gonna come over so he can teach me some stuff so you know it's just one of those things and it's nashville so you just never know who you're gonna run into there's so many amazing musicians around here but yeah so i do i do that and i, I love i love music and um if i can master the mandolin i might actually play it for people <laughs> we'll see i'm not there yet but okay. maybe maybe okay. You know, so we'll see. And you just alluded to, you never know some of the people you're going to run into. Who are some celebrities maybe that you've crossed paths with, uh, some famous folks over the years? Well, it's really kind of funny. 
I probably met more famous people when I was at The Blaze than I did here, even though I live in Nashville. Mm. My radio career has always been in talk radio. And so uh, my path has never crossed anybody in, in the industry. Now, when we were in the same building with WSIX, um, you know, I, I, you, would, you would see people in the hall and all that kind of thing. I ran into Reba one time, though, in the mall. But what's really funny is I've had two. My cousin works for her. I had a really good friend working for her, but I never met her until I ran into her in the mall. And, um, you know, and then we've got, um, of course, I got to meet Kevin Sorbo and Mike Rowe when I was down at the Blaze and um, right. all those folks. And that, that, was, that was a big treat. Meeting Kevin Sorbo was pretty stinking cool. And Mike Rowe, both of them. That was so stinking cool getting to see them and then my kids went to school with thomas rett country music people know yeah so they went to school with thomas rett so we know all his family and you know and we know him but he was a year older than my twins so i didn't know him as well as they did but it's kind of surreal seeing him do so well because he was just a kid that the kids went to school with and uh, to see him become such a star is 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 cool and he's just a very godly godly man him and his wife they're just precious but um so it's cool to see see them them rise up but yeah i haven't really met that many famous people even though i'm in nashville because i'm in talk radio and it's you know behind a microphone Yeah, so I love your answer when it comes to your favorite comfort food because I don't know that I have a comfort food. Well, maybe Oreos, but well, mega stuff Oreos. I got to be specific, but I've always called pizza the perfect food. I've heard it said that all of the food groups they're a part of pizza, right? You got your breads, grains. You've got your meat, you've got your vegetables, you've got uh, your dairy. I mean, everything is is represented right there. Uh, I eat pizza almost every day, to be completely honest. Oh, if I did, I would be big as a house. So I don't do that, but I do love it. I just think it is the perfect food. Uh-huh. So um, anyway, I was I was I was happy to see that answer listed uh-huh. on this questionnaire. They got to add the wood fired pizza too. I mean, just the, you know the 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 when it's when it's cooked in in a wood fire. I mean, it's just oh the best. So you know, if you're gonna talk pizza, so you gotta talk serious pizza. I so. want to wood fire a Totino's pizza. There you go. Because, well, do it. Do it. I mean, do Totino's it. is good in its yeah. own right, but I yeah. can't imagine it if it were wood fire. Yeah, yeah. Throw, it on your, so, throw it in your grill. So go ahead. I digress. Yeah. Go ahead. Wait, uh, pineapple on pizza. Where do you stand on that? I, I, it's cool. I, I dig it. It's not too, you know, It's I don't want it all the time, but uh, yeah. I'm a big veggie, veggie person on pizza. You know, I like a lot of veggies, so... That's my thing, but yep. uh, but yeah, if you you get it okay. in the grill and oh, good stuff, good stuff. <laughs> so, if you could go back in history, you would like to meet Jesus. What would you ask him if you oh. had the opportunity? One thing, if you could ask wow. one thing. Oh man, <laughs> what can I do for you today? Uh, what can I do for that's you? A what can I? Yeah. Because because I mean seriously, that's why we're here. I just something in history I read and I always thought that was the perfect thing to pray. What can I do for you today? I want to say it's George Washington Carver. I think that's who it was. He would pray. What can I do for you today, Lord? And um, uh, I think if we would all just remember that, man, this is just a this time is just a blink. You know, and uh, I mean, my twins are going to be 30 this year. That's insane. And so this is going so fast. And um, um Every day, what can we do for you today, Lord? How can we be a part of of your hands and feet that help advance your kingdom on this earth? 
that's part of being a good a good brother, good parent is you you have to let them find their own way because that's part of the growth, you know. And so he can't make it too easy or we wouldn't then we wouldn't be prepared for the purpose he has for us next year if he makes the purpose today too easy. So let's go back to your teenage years in an embarrassing moment that you suffered because <laughs> you do you know you played basketball yeah and i gotta hear about the story of scoring on the wrong goal oh you, no isn't that funny well and it's like when you asked me that though that kind of stuff i, I had to really think about it as like okay what what embarrassed me i guess i was embarrassed at the time because i was a real awkward teenager and you know and i just i just kind of wanted to melt into the wall really all the time and i can remember um, everybody screaming at me and I was like okay yeah I've got the ball I'm gonna shoot it and realizing I was shooting on the wrong end and thank the Lord <laughs> did I you missed. steal it how did you I don't oh, even, you I don't even okay. remember I, I don't even know I think I think I got a rebound and I got disoriented you know it's that ADD thing how you're not really focusing on what you're doing and <laughs> I, I ran to the wrong end and shot it but again I, I missed it Praise God, because, oh, if I had, you know, if I'd messed up and, and that had been the winning basket or, oh, heaven, I can't even imagine. Right. But, but yeah, it was embarrassing, but eh, not much embarrasses me. I'm, I'm, you know, I guess at the time that was embarrassing, but yeah. I want to take you to your earliest memory, mm. which is not pleasant, Mm-mm. but y- you listed it as you guys losing your hired hand. Yeah. In Vietnam, my goodness, take us back to that moment. Well, that's Kenneth Pease, and um, when you when you grow up on a farm, um, you you always have. I mean, a lot of the times you have somebody working for you, especially back then, because you just you know it, you just had to have the help. It's but one of the reasons why people used to have so many kids is because they needed the help on the farm because everybody farmed. Well, so my dad, my dad took over the farm really young. Uh, His father died and he was in, he was in high school, finished up and he ended up taking over the farm eventually. And he had this young guy. I mean, my dad, would you figure my dad was in his early twenties and Kenneth was in high school and started working for my mom and dad. And I came along, you know, a few years later. And so Kenneth had always been there. You know, I grew up with Kenneth always there working with mom and dad. And so, you know, I was about six years old, I guess, when he went to Vietnam. And I can remember him coming in the yard and with, the, you know, in his car. And I think he has a girlfriend with him. And they came in to tell us that he was, you know, hey, I, I'm, I'm going into the Army. I didn't understand what draft didn't mean or anything like that at the time. But I'm going into the Army. And I remember just being so proud of him. You know, and just being, wow, as a soldier and just being excited for him. And it just seemed like a breath, a breath later. I mean, a minute later, it seemed like we get a phone call. And I remember my mom getting the call and we were in the house. And of course, because you didn't have you know cell phones back then. But so she gets the phone call and she immediately gets emotional. And. So she, you know, gets me and my older sister and my younger brother and puts us in the car and she's very upset. And we're and we drive down to the field because my dad was in the field and you just don't do that. I mean, you know, when you're a farmer and you see a car come into the field, you know, there's something wrong. And so she drives down to the field and we stayed in the car. And I remember, you know, her and dad, you know, him coming off the tractor and her telling him. And you, I, I still remember their emotion. And 
it, that's the first thing I remember as a kid. As I start thinking back and try to remember memories before then, but that's the one that just always comes back. And um, yeah. you know, that's and and I think that that's the reason why because I remember going to his funeral and I remember him being under glass. He had stepped on a landmine. He had stepped on a landmine, oh. and. I, I can remember that 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 had such a permanent effect on me that it, it really made me just be a, a a person that just honored the military and loved the military because I can remember the news being people you know being upset about the war and 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 aggressive towards our soldiers and disrespectful to our soldiers and I would watch that on the news and it would just enrage me because I would think that was Kenneth. That's what Kenneth fought for. And it just made me so angry. And as I grew up, it just, it was one of those things that's never left me. And I, I, to this day, when I see the Vietnam veterans, man, I just want to hug them. I thank them. You know, I'm involved with the, some, some of the stuff with Agent Orange and things. We've got a, a memorial up here that it's in Robertson County that my dear friend Ken Gamble put together. And it's a place to honor veterans that made it home and then they, have been you know are dying from the effects of agent orange and the things that the vietnam veterans have been through they are just on my heart and uh, and always have been and it's because of kenneth but he just absolutely the first thing i really vividly remember as a child is kenneth and um mm. he just very special i just don't i don't want people to forget him you know because yeah. i never will okay so i can't imagine being that young and losing somebody yeah. that close to you, you know, and I can absolutely see how that would affect you even today. Um, but God bless our heroes. And yeah, I'm so amen. glad that, that you're involved in helping them. Yeah, if you've got somebody that uh, that you want to put on our memorial that's up in Robertson County, Tennessee, we've got people from all over the country that are part of it. But send me a message at Laverne at LavernVivio.com. Laverne, L-A-V-E-R-N at L-A-V-E-R-N Vivio V-I-V-I-O dot com but it's the Orange Heart Medal if you look up the Orange Heart Medal we got a Ken Gamble who is the guy behind this up here in Robertson County he got the medal approved in the Tennessee State Legislature so there is a medal now that you can get uh, that's the Orange Heart Medal and so if you start looking that up and if you find out the Tennessee Orange Heart Medal and get a hold of Ken Gamble but if you reach out to me I'll send you the information and you can get the medal for your loved ones and you can get them on the memorial wall and it is an amazing thing for our vietnam veterans it is just awesome that, so that is cool so let's talk about your childhood dream <laughs> where you would love to be able to sing at the grand old opry oh yeah at the grand old opry yeah you you can sing. You just don't get many opportunities to sing, correct? Yeah, that's just, you know, it's just never, you know, you, you go through the doors, God opens, and he's just never opened that door. How does somebody who has that dream, how does somebody get booked at the Grand Ole Opry? Like, how does that happen? <laughs> oh, that's, that's difficult. That's difficult. Um, it, you know, one of the things, you have to be, you can, if you're, if you're an up-and-coming artist, you can get invited to perform to actually be uh-huh. inducted to where you're part of the grand Ole opry that's a whole new thing that's a whole different thing a much more difficult thing um so you know 
I, I, I don't have any kind. I mean, well, yeah, sure. I'd love to be a member of the Grand Ole Opry. I can't imagine God opening that door, but who knows? Maybe he will. But just to be able to stand on that stage one day and just sing or do something at the Grand Ole Opry would be definitely something cool that I would love to do. I loved Johnny Cash and Tanya Tucker and all those guys when I was a little kid. And, you know, I, I just always kind of had that dream. And Dad never encouraged my singing because I think he was afraid I'd go sing in the honky tonks. So, you know, I think that was a, he just, yeah, yeah. So, and we didn't have choir and we didn't have, you know, things where you could, you could really do your own thing when it came to church. We didn't have choir. We always did congregational acapella singing. So there was never a thing where you could, and, and women don't lead in my, my church. And so there's, I've just never, the guy just never opened the door. So you just mm. kind of go, okay, well, maybe he will still, you know. I would love to be a worship leader. That's something I've always dreamed to do. And um, and I do that in, in, some, in, in some regards, but, you know, in small groups and things like that. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what God completely purposed me for. <laughs> to this point, I think I've okay. kind of figured it out. But I plan on being around a, uh, quite a bit longer. So I don't know what this next chapter yeah. is going to be about, but we'll see, you know. All right. Well, yeah. that's really cool. Now, uh, another thing that you have done in your life is you're a book author. Tell us about your book, Jesse, that people can get on Amazon. Yeah, they can get it from Amazon. Um, and it's, you know, that's one of those things that, you know, I talk about how that um, the reason why I left Freed Hardman and went to Lipscomb is not a good story. It's not it's not a good reason. Um, but it was a place where I just, and, and the reason why I went to Freed Hardman instead of Lipscomb in the first place, I've, we had some things happen in my family as, as, a, as a young kid that um, left me uh, heartbroken. We'll just leave it at that. And going through the journey of that and trying to understand why things happen the way they did and why people do the things they do. And, and, and you, you know, I, I got to this place as a, as a, as a young adult where I was carrying around this really big chip on my shoulder, you know, I was really bitter. And I got to be honest with you, Keith, I see this, I see people now and I just, I shake my head because I lived in a real bitter world for about 20 years where I was just, I was just mad about, you know, I still, I still married and had kids and all this kind of stuff, but I had so many things in my life that I had let myself down. And then I, I wanted to blame other people because why well, wouldn't have done that if this hadn't happened and this wouldn't happen if this hadn't happened. And, you know, that kind of journey is where I was inside my head. And when I finally came to a place where I understood that for me to get past that bitterness, I had to number one, forgive myself and then forgive others. That that's how that's my story is how I got there, how I got down that went down that walk of just bitterness and, and, and anger and doubt. And it led me into it led me into great uh, faith doubt to where I was. I don't know that I would ever call myself an atheist, but I was I was very confused about my faith because it wasn't my own. I became more of an apologist, um, somebody that defends faith and defends um, the the existence of God. And I became that in, in ministry. And so just that journey of going from this kid who grew up in uh, just a really devout Christian home, got my heart broke spiritually, and then fell down the fell down the rabbit hole and just slid into all kinds of nonsense. Well, how did you get it back? Like, because a lot of people struggle with their faith, and most of the time, I guess I don't have numbers in front of me, but 
I, I would imagine that many of them don't get back to that. How were you able to not only get back there, but become, dare I say, an evangelical for Christ? How, how, did, you, how did you pull yourself out of that? Or, or how did that come about? You know, never stop asking questions because the questions, I had so many questions as a kid that I couldn't get answered. And and it's not that people wouldn't give me an answer, but it was not the answer. It, it wasn't a complete answer to my question. And a lot of that comes into uh-huh. creation issues. And, and, and probably one of the reasons why I went so far down the rabbit hole and, and got so bitter and angry in spiritual issues is because I was probably already having doubts as a kid. And that mm-hmm. just kind of magnified it. And so as I got older and I just kept asking questions and I would get a piece answered here and a piece answered here. And I promise you, Keith, it took me 20 years to get to a place where I'm like, I get it. I get it. And I still don't. I mean, there's still so many things. Oh, my word. That I I, I struggle with and that I don't have answers for. I just discovered a new preacher that one of my my son, the the veteran, Jedediah, and his wife, Christina, found up in Cookville. And I'll tell you, Bobby Davis at Life Church. Oh, my gosh. This guy in Cookville, he's just like this down to earth kind of guy. And I'm learning so much from him just in the last couple of months since all the nonsense with the election came happened. And, you know, you've got to always understand that you've got to keep learning. So in my journey, I never gave up. I kept asking questions, kept asking questions, and I kind of got through those. I'd get a piece here and I'd get a piece here, and I finally put it all together and finally understood that my problem was bitterness and anger. And when I figured that out, and then I, I forgave myself, because you know, I told you, I said, I'm not really embarrassed about anything. I'm ashamed of a couple of things in my life. And I write about that in the book. And I got past, okay, I've got to forgive myself for this. And then I've got to forgive those who I feel hurt me. And a lot of the people who I felt like hurt me, they just didn't know what to do. You know, it wasn't that they were bad people. They just, it, you know, it's what's the saying, the only way for evil to win is for good men to do nothing at all. And that, unfortunately, is what a lot of people do. And you get angry at them for doing nothing, but they really don't know what to do themselves. So you have to get past that. So that, that I'm kind of all over the place here, but the, the answer to that question, how did I get there? I never stopped asking questions. I never stopped looking for answers. And I finally got there, and it's like as I, I kind of put everything together into my story, and I started sharing my story more, people said, hey, you need to write this down. And so that's the reason I wrote Jesse, is because it was a way to chronicle my journey of coming out of this place of just kind of wandering in the wilderness and really getting way off track and just being angry and bitter and coming full circle. And that's that story. But, you know, I have to live that story again, just like what happened with the election last year. Keith, I went down. I was so depressed. I was absolutely beside myself. And I know not to do that. And it was so funny. I had a dear friend of mine. She came on, she she came on the radio with me. And uh, she said, you know, she just seemed to be full of joy. And I was like, how are, how are you doing it? And she goes, I give my first fruits every day to God. I give my first fruits every day to God. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start doing that. And so I started doing that and getting up and just asking God those questions again and getting through this part of my journey again. And that's when I found, that's why I had to go ahead and plug Bobby Davis because he's helped me so much here in the last couple of months mm-hmm. is because of the, the things he's helped me kind of work through that I'm struggling with now. So the very long answer to that is the struggle continues. It's just finally when that light right. goes off that, okay, this, I, I got to do it again. 
you know, what I did that took me 20 years to do, I got to do it again. And isn't it nice once you kind of live through it, you can you can do the Cliff Notes version. Yeah. You can like, I know what to do. Let me just do this. Let me get focused and, you know, give it all to God and and not stop asking questions and not seek not stop seeking answers from him. I know that sounds a little confused, that's, but anyway. <laughs> no, no, that's great. That's great. That's great. Tell us all the places on social media and so on where people can find you if they want to connect. Okay, let's see. The U-Turn Laverne is always part of it, it seems like. If you find me on Facebook, my stuff is public. I've I've kind of quit doing friend requests on there simply because I know you get to a place where they don't let you have any more. And so you can follow me on Facebook at Laverne, U-Turn Laverne Vivio. Laverne, U-Turn Laverne Vivio. And you can watch the show every morning. We uh, have it Monday through Friday, 7 to 8 a.m. And you can go to the WSGI radio app and you can download it on your phone. You can hear the show through there. And there is a TV button where you can archive and go and watch the shows. Um, you huh. can connect with me, my 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 web page, which is probably not real. I haven't done a lot on my web page lately, but there's some stuff there. It's LavernVivio.com. Could people go there to LavernVivio.com and then find the um, links to everything else and all the oh, other yeah. places you're at? Yeah, you can find you can definitely find an email link, and I think I still have a book link there. And uh, you know how you kind of ch- I, I changed the website up when I ran for Congress, <laughs> and then I put uh-huh. it back, and I'm not sure what I was back there. I haven't looked at it in a while, but I'll go back and I'll freshen <laughs> it up. I know we get okay. busy, we get busy. Uh, but, oh, uh, you ain't kidding. Uh, yeah, I hear yeah, you. But absolutely. Hold on, Let, let's 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 visit something for a second here sure. because you're on the radio slash tv every morning right at 7 a.m right now i don't know about you but i got into radio one of the reasons why i chose that medium because i remember as a kid i wanted i didn't want to be seen i didn't want (laughs) to be on camera i wanted the fun of communicating with an audience without actually being seen but of course as we have gone through our life and technology has said, no, that's not happening. You're going to be on camera. Uh-huh. Uh, that, do you ever some mornings just want to put a baseball cap on and not worry about being on camera? Or do you take the time to really, you know, freshen up or whatever? Because, I mean, that's just one of the things in the morning where I'm just like, oh, there's cameras. Yeah. I try really hard to always there's been a couple of times I've just put the ball cap on and gone in and then I looked at myself and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, not good. But, and, and you know, the reason I, I did not know that I enjoyed doing TV, um, it was something that when I was in college, when I had first gotten bit by the broadcast bug. I had originally intended thinking that I was going to try to do television news. But again, God just didn't open those doors. And so when right. those doors didn't open and I, I mean, I, I started, you know, I got married, had kids and I was a mom more than anything. And it was just so good that I still had I was able to still do my job and work from home and have my kids with me. It was just a perfect scenario. So I never thought another thing about television. When I got the chance to come into the blaze, I was like really self-conscious because I'd never been on television and mm. I, I loved it. And I just I. I just I loved I love being able to look at a camera and know there's somebody on the other side 
who's looking at me and make eye contact with them. And there's something wow. weird about that. And I can just, I can just, I can look at that camera and know I'm making eye contact with somebody sometime. And it just feels natural. And so it just kind of feels like a part of what I'm supposed to do. So I, I throw a camera cool. up a lot, you know, just for fun, just because I just, I want to connect with people. That's one of the bit, been the hardest thing about the, the stupid pandemic is how we've just really lost that connection. And I know we try to do it on Zoom and all that, but then when you get in a big group, I don't know. We've just got to connect. And while you can connect through radio and stuff, I just love being able to look at the camera and know you get this, don't you? And it, it, maybe something funny will be said. When our, our mayor, God bless him. I love this man to death. Mayor Billy Vogel, he is such a character. He is such a country. He is a country mayor he's awesome sometimes he'll say something and i'll just look at the camera and i know on the other side of the camera somebody else is going did he really just say that <laughs> you know and you have that reaction <laughs> and you just nah. giggle because he's just one of these i'm guys. with you i'm with you You know what i mean yep. and so you can't yep. do that if you I don't have those, a camera I get those moments you know? yeah yeah i get those moments uh, with pat's audience as well yeah so i yeah. totally understand it, it is it is cool to have that absolutely that outlet and and that connection as well yeah well i I apologize to the audience if at any point during this conversation they have heard both of my dogs, Tanner and Matilda, <laughs> in the background because, you know, we're trying to have this conversation um, and I'm home alone, so there's no one to shush the dogs, <laughs> but I have uh, separated myself as much as I can and put myself uh, behind as many doors as I can. At the rate they've been barking during our hour-long conversation, Laverne, there's got to be... 70 Amazon packages waiting for me at the front door, as best I can tell. Because Presence, this has been right? Presence. Quite an experience. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you ever have that? Because um, uh, I know you've got um, pets that uh, I forgot to ask you about. Do they ever uh, interrupt? You've got two dogs, two cats. Do they ever bust in during your show? You know, it's so funny because everything I do now is in a radio studio. I don't do anything from home anymore. And, um, you know, yeah, they're 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 not an I issue. See. But because uh, okay. the, the little radio station I work at is like two miles from my house. And so oh, it's just cool. super. Oh, it's very convenient and wonderful. And this this broad, And so they don't. And I got to say something about WSGI. They they WSGI DBL. They have purchase we had uh, ebenezer broadcast and they came in and bought the stations and they've turned it into a worldwide christian broadcast company that you can get anywhere through the app you know it's wsgi and it's just so cool what they're doing out of little robertson county we got this worldwide facility now that you can come in and do a broadcast and be heard anywhere so it's really cool and it's two miles from my house but back when i used to do traffic the big thing was I had a little soundproof room off of a playroom. And so I could look in and see my kids. And I watched them, and they were with me all the time. And every now and then they would open up the door and say something And right when I was on the air. And uh, I had one girl I worked with, Mary Glenn, and we were in the middle of something one time, and I was doing the report, and she goes, shut them kids up. Because <laughs> she was just playing. <laughs> but it was more the kids. The kids would break in. And it was never anything, you know, if there was an emergency, I would say, I got to go, and I'd go. But I don't even know that that ever really happened um, in all the time I did traffic. But, yeah, every now and then the kids would come busting in the studio. And I'd be like, uh, <laughs> you, just, you just roll with it. It's all fun. It's all fun. That's cool. Well, Laverne Vivio, it has been so much fun catching up with you and just finding out what you have been doing uh, Absolutely. there Thank in you. Tennessee. 
and I hope that people will reach out and I hope they'll check out your show because it does sound like a lot of fun. WSGI, the radio yeah. station. Yeah. Uh, look for their app specifically, correct? Yeah, you can get the app and you can listen to Christian music, you know, all the time. It's uh, got a stream on there. You can just hit it and hear the music. And, you know, we have a, a station here in, in Nashville called Jack FM that you just never know what they're going to play because it's just really obscure. And I say that we're kind of the we're kind of the Jack FM of Christian music because you'll hear the Gaithers <laughs> and then you'll hear Stephen Curtis Chapman. Then you'll hear DC Talk. I mean, there's no set genre. It's just, you know, if it's Jesus, we're going to play it, you know. So it's just, that's, that's all there is to it. You know, it doesn't really matter. So, oh, cool. but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot oh, of fun. So, well, Laverne, thanks so much for making time. We really Absolutely. It's it. my pleasure. Uh, a lot of fun. And thank hopefully, you. hopefully thank you. you can get back to Dallas at some point. We'd love to see you at the Blaze again. Got to come and do some of that history stuff down there. And I've told so many people yes. about the history museums and things. Uh, that stuff is just so priceless. Oh, so priceless to yeah. do those museums yeah, and see place. the foundation that uh, we have as a country. We kind of not forget that. Don't stop asking questions, y'all. Pay attention to what's going on and teach children. Absolutely teach your children. Mm-hmm. Laverne Vivio, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Oh, God it. bless you. Thank you, Keith. God bless. It was so great to catch up with Laverne. And don't forget, you can check her out through that radio station app. Look for call letters WSGI. Next up, I talked to another young lady who I recently met. Her name is Donnie Anthony. Her story is next. First, I want to talk to you about how to stop pain quickly with Dr. Monroe's Freeze Gel. This stuff works for me instantly because it has everything from Dr. Monroe's signature product, the Pro 8000 Cream, but it also has added menthol and that cooling aspect, that easy to apply roller ball, along with patented K-channel technology for maximum potency as it targets that pain. I love how it feels after I apply this stuff. And don't forget that 20% of any purchase that you make at DrMonroe'sCBD.com goes directly to the Child Help Abuse Hotline. So you're doing good for yourself and for so many others in need. That's DrMonroe'sCBD.com, promo code Keith. You're going to get 15% off. I really do hope you'll give this a shot, this freeze gel from Dr. Monroe at DrMonroe'sCBD.com. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Next up in our two-part At The Mic episode today, I sit down with Donnie Anthony. She's into guns, she's into anime, and absolutely loves the U.S. Constitution and the Founding Fathers. She recently ran for mayor of Arlington, Texas, and she sat down with me to tell her story. Today I am joined by Donnie Anthony... If that name rings a bell, it's because she's a politician. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, that's a bad intro, right? Terrible. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so Donnie Anthony, a lot of people that are audience members of Pat Gray Unleashed on Blaze TV, they are also audience members of At The Mic. And several months back, you ran for public office. You ran for mayor of Arlington, Texas. Yes. Thank you for uh, being willing to serve. And uh, sticking your neck out there. I can't imagine that process was fun. Didn't quite work out the way you wanted it to. But, you know, like I said, thanks for trying. Tell us about that experience. Why did you choose to run? What was that like? And might we see you try for an office in the future? So it was a learning experience. I learned a lot. 
Um, I realized mailers are very expensive. Mailers, oh gosh. Yes, they're the most expensive thing that when you're running, it's like at least 50 grand just oh. for Arlington for one round. Are they even effective? I believe they're pretty effective. Okay. Because okay. at least gets in the households of the voters who can see it. Because people yeah. don't, you know, go through the whole list and research everyone. Right. They, they just go off of who do I see the most? And then that's how I vote. Okay. So I also learned too that, um, with the Republicans, there's a lot of work needs to be done in our party. <laughs> <laughs> I think both parties got plenty of work to do, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. And um, start looking into the candidates, too. Like, don't just look at endorsements. Um, a police association doesn't mean the police department or the actual police officers. Yeah. It's basically a union. Okay. So those people don't even sometimes even live in the city. Oh, wow. And then they're, they're giving out endorsements to certain people. So... I as a, that's also as a voter, yeah. I get to see how it looks. But I honestly had a lot of fun talking to people, meeting new people, uh, convincing people, and changing their mind. Oh, that's cool. That was very interesting. People like you know, don't judge a book by a cover. You walk up to someone, have a conversation. They're not like trolls on the internet. They'll actually have a conversation with you. Yeah. And they're like, well, I honestly thought I was a liberal until I talked to you. How was the process? How many debates did you take part in? They weren't really debates, they were forums. And okay. Then, and then sometimes, you know, people would take chances to throw jabs, you know, in those forums. There was multiple forums. Um, mainly there were left-leaning ones. Um, mm. That's something I learned. And you were motivated to run because of your love for the Constitution, quite frankly, right? Mm -hmm. I know that much about you, that you love the founding documents of this country. And that was really your push is just to kind of make sure that those are still being enforced on a local level, right? Yeah. And for me, too, I'm watching what happened last year with COVID, Greg Abbott, all these other governors and county judges. Yeah. Um, infringing yeah. on people's rights. And then at the end of the day, it's like, well, who can I trust not to do that? It's like I'm watching all these different politicians go through making promises. Now you've noticed they're not even making promises anymore. They're just always spitting out their talking points. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, you know, run for office because... I could trust myself to protect our constitutional rights. That's what I recall you saying at the time is, look, th these, aren't, these aren't your words, but it was almost like, correct me if I'm wrong, you kind of looked at the situation and said to yourself, if you want the job done right, I guess you're going to have to do it yourself. And that's what motivated you to get in the political arena, correct? Yeah, and I was already doing other things, helping mm -hmm. other people run for office, leading okay. groups and everything. So like... I'm like, well, that didn't work. What do I do next? <laughs> now it's down to me. Yeah. So are you going to run for any particular office going forward, do you think? Or are you just waiting, you know, see what your options are? I'm kind of waiting to see what my options okay. are. I do want to run again. Um, what I wanted to run for initially was a commissioner seat, the county level. Okay, yeah. Um, but like I said, um, the Republican Party... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, don't think they will have my yeah. back. Okay. They, they have their, their their favorites, their friends. So you were born and raised in Indiana, correct? Yeah, been here since 08. 08, okay. You grew up there, you have four siblings. Yes, I'm the oldest of five. Old, so you're the oldest. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. So were you like the boss? Were you like in charge? No, but like <laughs> they all like looked up to me and I like helped with homework. I cooked and cleaned a lot. So. Oh. So they look. My younger siblings look at me like a second mom. Okay. So. What'd your family think about you running for office? They're supportive. That's cool. And they said about time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. So you're probably correct me if I'm wrong. You're probably the one at the Thanksgiving table who's initiating the discussion of politics or or news of the day. I'd imagine, huh? 
Um, blame the TV because they have okay. the news on all the time. <laughs> so, I mean, I can just sit there and not say anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But how did you get to Texas then? So my um, parents moved in 07 to Texas. And I came to visit in 07, uh, November actually, during Thanksgiving. First time I guess it snowed here in years. It was mm. I must have brought it with me. <laughs> so I came here in November 07, visited, and moved June of 08. Okay, very cool. I didn't waste any time. That's right. And <laughs> you ended up going to, you were Texas A&M Aggie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I went to uh, College Station A&M. I uh, went for creative writing at first. And I realized I liked rhetoric so much better. Like, I had, like, a little high in class, like, learning about English rhetoric and how they break down all the advertisements, who's their target audience, all this stuff. And it was very interesting. It was, like, mixture of philosophy, writing. It's a lot of stuff you could really use it for. I liked the knowledge I was learning. So politics is in your blood. Mm -hmm. I'm working Mm -hmm. on um, my website now for the Red Sense. And it'll be like a blog and um, oh. blog and have all the community events coming up, different ways to get involved, um, showing everything that I'm trying to do and different people getting involved. So it's a, honestly, I'm, I'm pushing on constitutional conservative movement. There's people who are registered voters who don't go out and vote. There was a low voter turnout. Um, there's people who need to be registered voters. And honestly, a lot of people I've run into are conservative. Mm-hmm. And then if we just have those conversations with them. Yeah, it's amazing how much common ground you discover just by talking to someone, right? Yeah. So in your past, you've been a tutor, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you remember what, that? You have what, such a great memory. What what subject? Yeah, it's called the email that she replied to <laughs> sitting in front of me. No, no, no. What what uh, what subject did you did well, you teach? I first started off doing ESL and English. Okay. And then it turned into I was good at almost everything besides math. Uh, so yeah, right. You and me both. <laughs> so everyone who if they it was a class or something they knew I took and I was doing good. I would tutor them. Logic. So wait a minute. If there's ESL, right, then you obviously have to speak Spanish on some level. No? Mm-mm. You don't have to speak, you know, the other language to get them to understand what you're saying in English? No. I actually, was more like having conversations and practicing. Wow. I think they're already, they're already taking courses. Okay. Well, shame so, on me But uh, they're assuming. Already, <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> they're already taking courses, so they're learning it. So it's more of having a conversation and also, like, checking their writing and everything. Okay. You know what's crazy to me, though? People like that try really, really hard to learn the English and learn how to speak it properly and write it um, properly. And then I have people who were regular, who speak English. I literally saw them walk into the writing center, type of their paper, print it out, and then bring it to me. I'm like, if you didn't want to read that, why do you think your professor would want to read that? Mm. And then they stopped doing it because I'm like, these people went from like D's to B's. But like, I really helped people with that. I enjoyed it. That's cool. You've worked at a pawn shop before. Mm -hmm. You got to have stories from that. Like people coming in there, probably some desperate situations, but probably criminals too, huh? Yeah. So how that works actually is when you bring in something to a pawn shop, police get the tickets. Like they oh, get, really? They know they come in there and pick them up. Like I think every other day or every day they oh, come wow. and pick those up. So if you're trying to sell something stolen, it's just, uh, a serial number or something on there. Yeah. They don't find out. But um, I I always thought it was fascinating. Um, at the pawn shop I worked at, they had guns. So uh-huh. I didn't really mind for some reason. I'm like, I was weird at first holding the handguns for some reason, but they're like, you know, rifles and shotguns. I'm like, here you guys, come check it out. Yeah. But whenever someone brought a handgun, I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I was weird at first because okay. I wasn't big on handguns. I would just shoot like, you know. Well, how are you with handguns now? I can protect myself. There you go. I like it. <laughs> but the saddest thing, though, in College Station, people were selling their Aggie rings. 
Oh, no. And then didn't come back for them. So That's too bad, man. So have you ever had a criminal come in and tried to hawk something or by the training that we got we can like kind of tell by their behavior how they're talking when they try to sell something to us like oh when did you get this how long have you had ask certain questions so you don't end up with stolen merchandise um but it didn't happen very often because like i said we, the police were always picking up the tickets yeah, and stuff yeah, that's and interesting i had out. no idea okay so you're into anime okay mm-hmm. i'm not it's, I mean, that's just, that's your deal, right? Yeah. But it should be. I should be. I should be. Okay. So I've just never sat and watched a show. So here's my question for you. If you were trying to convince me mm-hmm. to get into that genre, right? Tell me what you would recommend that I watch that, that you would use as the ambassador for that type of entertainment. A commie got kill. Who was what now? <laughs> Akami got kill. Um, Wait, spell this. What? It's A K A M E G A kill. <laughs> wow, I'm sold. It's let me tell you. It kind of reminds me of what's going on now. How hmm. they, you, the actual good guys are being painted as bad guys, okay. and they're actually fighting against their government that's bad and it's not good for the people. And they're wow. assassins, and wow. they all have really cool powers wow. and stuff, but don't fall in love with any character. Okay, don't tell me. Don't ruin anything. <laughs> okay. What is the typical, and maybe you don't know the answer, and I could probably Google this, but what's the typical age of a viewer of anime? Because I realize, I realize it's adults. I got that. But is it young adults? Is it just... Uh... I, I think it varies. Like, yeah. I mean, there's kids now who watch it. People think of it as just like cartoons, but... Yeah. Um, Honestly, I think uh, me getting to anime when I was like what seventh grade helped me not get indoctrinated. I was watching the, this stuff with with the Japanese. They always had their characters fight to be better than they were before, train to be stronger, faster, be better. Like you know the Super Saiyans, they're always training to be right. the next Saiyan level, opposed to whoa me, I'm a victim or anything like that. With with anim- well the action animes, I don't know about the little drama ones. I don't watch those, yeah. <laughs> but um. They don't have all that stuff to make you feel like a victim. They don't. It doesn't. Hmm. I, I, it's like makes me want to be a better person. Like I was an athlete. I want to be fast. Like, uh-huh. So, because <laughs> I remember when I was in fifth grade, we had a foreign exchange student from Japan, and he would bring these comic books. This was about uh, mid late eighties, I think, uh, right in there. I think they call those Magnus Mag Maga Magna magazines. M N M A N G A. What? They're like, they're really? like, they got words. They got, yeah, they got a different a, name for name? them. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because I just remember everybody crowding around. We couldn't read anything in these. <laughs> and he was trying to explain it to us. And I remember like the writing was, I don't know, backwards or upside down or something. I don't know, I forgot what it was. <laughs> different symbols. But I didn't see that style of drawing mm-hmm. until anime came around. And it just, you know, I'm talking for me, my experience, it was a decade or so later, 15 years later. And I think that the internet is obviously it's it's brought so many things closer to us. But I hadn't seen a drawing like that in about 15 years, and now it's a mainstream thing. So I'll, I'll, I will I will check out that show. I gotta find where it is first. Uh, I'll send you a message. You can know, spell yes, it. Please, yeah. And where to no, find it? <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I I need it. Yes, walk me through exactly how to find that. Okay. I don't think you should watch it with your kids. Yeah. Sounds like a pretty heavy storyline. Yeah, it's pretty gory. Yeah, okay. Uh, noted. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, okay, I like this. The last song you played on repeat, Body Like a Back Road. I'm, I hesitate to ask, what <laughs> what is the imagery that... The, tell me about this song and what are they trying to say there? Because that could go either way. <laughs> well, oh. I, I think he just had a crush on a girl for a long time. He's kind of like, talk about what she looks like. But a back road is the analogy? I guess like he's talking about her curves. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking, see, now now I got it. Now I got it. I was thinking like gravel. I'm thinking, wait, is that a compliment? What's happening here? Back road. Now I got you. Or ruts maybe, you know? Okay, never mind. Boy. Yeah, I don't know. The song like I played on repeat like multiple <laughs> times when it comes on. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait till someone sings this to me. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. And I like that. That kind of segues nicely into like your biggest regret is that you didn't start dating conservatives <laughs> sooner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And maybe you aren't even aware. Is there like a special dating app or something for people of the same political mindset? Uh, not that I know of. Oh, you um, should start that. You should start I that. I looked at that. Did you? Yeah, but I need investors. <laughs> oh, so you've actually thought of this? Yeah. How thought, ironic. Yeah, I was playing matchmaker on uh, Twitter <laughs> in fact last year. <laughs> I'll like make a statement and people in my comments like, "Hey, you guys should date each other." <laughs> oh, wow, that's fun. Now, how did how did that take off? Are you a good matchmaker? I have no idea. I mean, it's Twitter is a lot of comments. Okay. I was going to say, people but, people ever come back to you and go, I can't believe you set me up on a date with so-and-so. I mean, I'm sorry you went from Connecticut to, you know, Wisconsin. <laughs> so. I love this, though, that your favorite book that you've read, this is a great book. And I'm so glad to see this in a response on the email. Written Out of History by Mike Lee. I love these forgotten stories that he delves into. And mm -hmm. Mike Lee is just a great guy. Oh, period. yeah. Period. And, and I have, have to meet him someday. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, it's been a long time uh, with COVID and everything, but he used to come here to the studios and, you know, go on Glenn's show and everything. Super great. Let me, I, I apologize to everyone if I have told this story before on this <laughs> podcast. I, I Sometimes I feel like I've said the same thing four million times and I just apologize for that. He's such a nice guy, such a great guy. He was up here at one point, and, I, and this sounds like name dropping, but I promise you it's not because this is the last text that I've ever shared with him. This was April of 2019, okay, and he had just been up here and just, I don't make it a habit of texting senators, but it was just ironic that he had just been up here and he texted me actually to say, hey, thanks for having us up there, blah, 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 blah. But then he went to D.C. right after that, and he gave a uh, presentation on the floor that uh, included uh, tauntauns, right? He had a big old uh, big old poster board and stuff, right? You remember this at all? No. Okay, so it's a great speech. It's hysterical because he's got a great <laughs> sense of humor. Yeah, I'm going to need to find this. <laughs> yes, yes. And so, and, and so it just worked out beautifully that he texted me um, to say thanks for having him up there and that it really helped the book out. And then I said, wow, you know, thanks for reaching out. I wanted you to know that my kids absolutely loved your speech that you just gave with the Tauntauns and all the Star Wars imagery there on the floor of the Senate. And, you know, he texted back, you know, that, that uh, tell your kids, I said, hi, may the force be with them, you know. And <laughs> anyway, he was just a just a nice guy. And, and, and people should know that about him. That's the only reason I bring that up, because he is genuinely a nice guy. And there are so few up there in D.C. Mm -hmm. that we really have to support and back those kind of just real human beings. But like, I appreciate the people who don't do political theater. 
He's actually a you know a constitutional conservative. I'm yes, just like is. yes, he is. Okay, we have him in Texas. Can I switch him for John? Cornyn, please. Okay. So, Written Out of History by Mike Lee. Great Mm -hmm. book. So, are you big into history books and stuff like that? Yeah, I am, but don't ask me to, like, memorize a date, like, 100%. I was thinking about, they always talk about how black folks uh, weren't able to vote because of intimidation with the Democrats and what they were doing, Mm -hmm. Jim Crow laws. And I was also thinking about, they always say, no justice, no peace. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking... You know, if they couldn't register as voters, they couldn't be jurors. They couldn't run for local office either. So it's making it almost impossible for them to have any kind of justice. And I think it's just so disgusting now that Democrats act like there's some kind of civil rights party mm-hmm. and they're not. And they're still not to this day. But they act like there's some civil rights uh, party and they did all these things historically to the community. I mean, and it's, at the end of the day, you chose to stay in that community. If you start voting for those people after the history, if you actually really care about all these racial issues right. and civil rights, you wouldn't be going with the party. You've been, been fighting against it for years. So I'm like thinking, like, you know, I never really hear people talk about the fact they couldn't be on the jury or any of those things. And, and who's actually on that jury? So many people are probably, you know, wrongly convicted because they weren't represented by their actual peers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. yeah. And, and I try to personally avoid talking about politics on this podcast. I think sometimes you at least need to point out important things that are happening in our country and in our world. Mm-hmm. But to your point about that history, I would like to make sure that folks realize that after the Civil War, blacks were making under Reconstruction great mm-hmm. strides in the South. So there's that blip in history for about a decade and a half or so after the Civil War, where you see, oh, here's the first black senator from the South, or here's the first black representative from the South. And 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 you go, wait a wow, that's that's pretty fascinating. Then that stopped because of the election of 1876 was so corrupt and it came down to the wire who was gonna be the president. So look at the effect of that compromise of, he called it a compromise of 1876, which basically says, look, Democrats, here's the thing. Let us have the Republican be the president and we'll give you the South back. That's yeah. what got the troops out of the South enforcing civil rights, effectively, enforcing the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment. Enforcing the gains that were made from the victory of the Civil War, that's when the Democrats were empowered in the South. They came back to power and, again, and, and that's when it was all happening again. And that's why you then have this long drought of not only blacks making advances in society in the South, but also no Republicans held power for the next hundred plus years. It was like with the 1870s when the Democrats got back in power again. Pushing the Jim Crow laws, right. all these things, KKKs here. And you know, it's, they always talk about as if it's just black people that were mistreated by Democrats. The poor white people were too. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't vote. They had the same the same thing. They had the literacy tests in order to, to vote, all these different things. So this didn't only affect black people. Right, that reign of terror that became the culture in the South all goes back to that 1876 election and pulling out the federal government influence on the South. I mean, that that's just a fact. Anyhow, sorry to get sidetracked there, but 
I think that piggy. Yeah, it's history. It's history. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's history, and to ignore it, we're doomed to repeat it. Anyway, I'm sorry, you know, to to talk politics so much there. I I try to. I honestly do try to make this podcast a a refuge from (laughs) talking politics, but sometimes, you know, it's just like I think I'm like you, whereas that um, ignorance isn't bliss. You know, and mm-hmm. sometimes you just you feel passionate about something you want to talk about. It. I I try to do that too. Like I try to turn off politics for a second, and then like not even five seconds later, I'm like, oh, I need to know what's going on. It's back on, right? Yeah, right. I have to mark this down. Make sure I research <laughs> this later. Because people yeah. are always hitting me up too. That makes it even harder to be like, hey, did you see this? Hey, what's your what do you think about this? Hey, can you share this? Like it's always something. And that's the thing. Being in talk radio, such as myself, it's like when I'm not doing talk radio and I'm just trying to relax, I don't want to talk politics with friends and family because they'll say stuff like, hey, you talked about this on the show, I bet, didn't you, on Pat's show? What's your opinion on this? Well, my opinion is um, pour me some more Jack Daniels because I don't want to talk about this right now. I'm off the <laughs> clock. <laughs> Freedomnomics, a book by John Lott, very smart guy. You listed that as the last book you read. Yeah, he's really good. I I actually reached out to him and I asked him some questions and he was able he talked he spoke back to me. Yeah. I was like, Oh, you don't even know who I am. It was so nice. He probably can charge people thousands of dollars for that kind of advice, but like was willing and kind enough to talk to me for a little bit. Yeah. You know, another great book that he was a big part of that he helped write with Glenn Beck was uh, the book Control. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, it's just the facts about guns in America. And it's, he's so smart. He is a wealth of information. I would highly recommend that book as well. Okay. So your favorite comfort food is stuffed crust pizza. First of all, pizza is a universal food that has united so many people on this podcast. They, they list that as their favorite comfort food. But I've never gotten the specific stuffed crust pizza. Is there a particular uh, brand that uh, that you're fond of? Yeah, it was it was Papa John's, but <laughs> now I've kind of just like steered away from big corporations because they all act the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, has anyone ever made stuffed crust pizza from scratch? You know, people make pizza at home, right? Mm-hmm. But has anyone ever attempted to make stuffed crust at home? I bet you it would be pretty easy. Yeah. I haven't done it. So you just roll it up, yeah, shove some cheese some, in it? Yeah, you probably get those mozzarella like, rolling uh, things. Oh, and then... I didn't even think that's like an easy shortcut. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yes, a little stick of mozzarella. Jeez. That's what it looks like when I yeah, open it. You're right, you're right. I often overthink things, and this is a case in point. Favorite founding father is Benjamin Franklin. Great answer. American hero. My gosh, the guy had his hands in everything. Um, it's a big reason why the Senate is the way it is and the House is the way it is. Tell us. Um, so there was, there was a compromise because the, the states who had the most people were worried that they would be underrepresented. Mm-hmm. So what they did was decide to go with the House. Like the ones with bigger numbers, you have more representatives there, but they have only two in the Senate. That was the common compromise. Because mm-hmm. and but another thing too is because the money is supposed to go through the House. Those bills go through the House. So that's another reason why. Um, the house is set up the way it is, too. And just the fact that he was... Multi-talented? I, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> I mean, he was a statesman, you know. He he, he forged uh, alliances for a young country. He was a scientist, an inventor. Um, just uh, Ben Franklin, uh, definitely 
one of those founding fathers that you could introduce your friends to. And you don't even have to talk politics. You just say, dude, you should really, you should really read up on Benjamin Franklin. In fact, mm-hmm. The Real Benjamin Franklin is a great book. It's a thick book, but it's, it's excellent. So your earliest memory is, and first of all, I have said time and time again over the course of my life, I could absolutely never be a woman <laughs> for multiple reasons, some more obvious than others, but it just seems like there are too many places in your life where you feel pain. And I'm predominantly talking about childbirth, but I never even thought about this until I saw your answer of your earliest memory. My gosh, ear piercing. Yeah. Did it hurt? Did it hurt? It did. See, you ladies are constantly <laughs> suffering physically. And it starts at a young age. How old were you when you got your ears pierced? I don't know, and I'm surprised I remember. Like, like you probably do remember because it probably hurt so badly. Yeah, I did. So, like, <laughs> and then it wasn't more than it wasn't just one time. You had two of them, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, then my wife and my daughters. I mean, you get multiples, and you go up the, and it's just like you got. I only stop. have these two. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> I didn't I mean, forget the pain. Yeah, you didn't forget it. You're like, I'm good. No, I, got, I don't even have any tattoos. So. I got the requisite two, and now I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, tattoos, that's another thing. Yeah. I wonder what percentage of Americans have tattoos now. What do you think that is? What's your guess? I'm going to Google this. Man, I don't know. I think it's a high number. Sometimes I feel like I'm the only person that doesn't have ink on them. Yeah, one, I couldn't afford it back then. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, um, and I didn't know what I wanted for sure, and that'd be on your body forever. So I was like, yeah, no. And then I finally decided what I wanted and where I want it at. I won't regret it. And then I was like, well, most people have tattoos. I must be special because I don't have any. (laughs) Wow. So I just did some Googling here. What is like 80, 70 percent? It it feels like that. It it, it genuinely does. Especially when you watch sports or something like that, Mm -hmm. where it seems like everybody's got something showing there. But check this out. In 2012, a survey of Americans with tattoos, 21 percent. In 2019, that number was up to 30%. So, but like you said, it feels like 70, 80. Where are they getting these numbers from? Uh, So an Ipsos poll was on this. Oh, listen to this. Oh, scrolling down here. 40% of those under the age of 35 had at least one tattoo. So so the younger you are, that makes sense that you would have more. 36% between the ages of 35 and 54? Huh, that's that's pretty close to that other one. Uh, Let's see. 16% 16% of Americans over the age of 54 have a tattoo. So obviously, the older you get, the less body art. And uh, eventually... Well, do they count the ones like that get it removed? They like minus oh. them off the list? Yeah, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder what percentage get them uh, taken off. But the thing is, is these numbers will eventually, you know, keep sliding. And eventually, it'll be 36% of Americans over the age of 54 It'll be interesting to see uh, how that number goes. I don't even know what kind of tattoo I would get. Like, if I ever got a tattoo, have you thought of that? If you were to ever get a tattoo, for whatever reason, not because you think you're going to want to, but if someone said, you have to get a tattoo, have you thought of where it would go and what it would be? This is a family show. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I would want it on my upper left chest. Okay. And it would be um, the Saiyan symbol with Vegeta outlined on the inside of it. The who symbol? Uh, Saiyan. It's from it's from Dragon Ball Z. Okay, I'm so lost. Spell it. So uh, S A I Y A N, Super Saiyans. Wow, I'm 
So I am on their on their uniforms. Oh, okay. Back I... during Dragon Ball, they had like okay. this little symbol on their on their armor. So the cyan or Saiyan? Saiyan. You... Really? Okay. Did I spell it wrong. No, no, no. You spelled it right. I, I just, I would have said cyan, but that shows what I know. You definitely know. What is this from? Dragon Ball Z. What's that? My favorite anime of all time. Okay. See, now we've come full circle. Very good. Okay. <laughs> and I don't have an answer to that. It would probably be uh, maybe a Nebraska logo on the bottom of my foot. <laughs> I bet that would hurt. That sounds painful. Well, I don't want it to be seen. Anyway. Man, imagine the healing process. You probably have to sit in a wheelchair. Oh, that wouldn't be the first time I'm sitting in a wheelchair. <laughs> really? I, I, I injure myself on a regular basis. So, oh so actually, a lot of people would end up seeing my Husker tattoo on the bottom of my foot <laughs> based on how often my legs are propped up or on a, on a wheelchair. Or it would be funny if you got your name on the bottom of your foot, kind of like like a, the toys, and you put your you write your name on the bottom of toys. It's almost like <laughs> like uh, a built-in toe tag. In that respect, like if it's got your name on there, right? Yep, yeah, that's him. And he'll, he'll hear information. No, you didn't get my dental. I have it on my foot. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your dad. You list him as someone who's had the biggest impact on you. That's cool. Yeah, he's my first best friend. Mm. Um, he actually fought very hard to have custody over us um, older siblings. Oh. And, um, and I think it's very rare that the man yeah. gets the custody of children. And... Every choir performance, every theater performance, or every track meet, he was there. He pushed me to be better and harder all the time. I and he was goofy. He liked to pick <laughs> on people too. And I I think uh I think that's where my goofiness comes from. Uh, okay. <laughs> and uh it's like different weird things that he said, you know. And um he's he's very protective. Yeah. That's cool. All right. So you mentioned in the course of uh, describing your dad showing up at theater performances. Like, did you do that in school? Like, act and stuff like that? Oh uh, yeah, in high school, I did everything I possibly could do. Like okay. every extracurricular activity, I did it. What's your favorite role that you ever played on stage? Um, she's on Alice in Wonderland. It was a duchess. She had the baby that was sneezing, and she was speaking in riddles and huh. all proper, and um. I got that role. It was pretty cool. I actually went for Alice, but I didn't get it. (laughs) Choir, I did that like every since I was in elementary, I was doing choir. And then we had this new teacher and she was like, we had, we did show choir. We competed and went around and competed. Mm. And then she said, we're going to compete the new teacher. And we didn't. So almost half of us quit (laughs) choir because of that. And, um, so then I jumped over to theater Mm -hmm. and radio and TV and stuff. So, I think that we all have to go through, as people that live in the South, we all have to go through initiation of fire ants. <laughs> right? Right, right, right. I remember, for example, multiple incidents that I had growing up in Atlanta. I remember one time we went out for PE, and I was the first one to get to, we had all the balls sitting there in the field, and I remember I was the first one that picked up the football. And when I did that, I ended up picking up uh, a mound of fire ants with me. Oh, my goodness. I didn't play football that day. I don't think so. Because my right (laughs) hand was covered in fire ants. I have sixth grade. So my my youngest, like, we moved here, and within a couple of weeks, she was playing in the neighbor's backyard and standing in 
what turned out to be a fire ant mound and oh gosh i mean just horrific well you had an experience with fire ants mm -hmm. in college being that you had moved from indiana oh, wait, that huh? one was red ants well what's that wait what do you mean Okay, so I've had the experience of red ants and fire ants. Okay, but... but They were two different... Right, the fire ants bite. Yes. So these weren't biting you. College Station was the biting ones, and then the fire ants came after college. Well, oh, I'm so So what lost. happened in college, okay. I was sitting there waiting for the bus, yeah. and I was like lazy and I wanted to sit on the curb, and oh. then all of a sudden, like I feel things biting me, and oh. they're in my pants, oh. so I'm having to pull... In public, oh, pull it down no. and swipe them out. And I'm like, I'll hope no one who knows me sees me out here. Anybody and offer to help? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nobody nobody came over and were like, hey, let me help you get those ants out your pants. <laughs> no. Okay. Thank goodness. So wait a minute. So there's Okay. So there's red ants and there's fire ants. I just if they bite me, they're fire ants. You know, with the fire ones, though, but I feel like it was electric shock going through my foot. Like, mm. I didn't know what I had stepped on. And so that was worse than the fire ants. Mm. And I'm like, and I had this big old bump on my foot, and it had pus coming out of it. Oh. And my foot was swollen. Ugh, I don't like ants. Yeah. So sometimes this, I guess, might be kind of dark. I kind of like watching those things where they pour, pour the like, metal in there. <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> like, and that metal art that yeah. uh, they pull it out and it's got all the trails and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It gives me the chills to look at that. Even thinking about it right now, it's just so creepy. Yeah. But yeah, it does the trick and kills the ants too. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, kind of, I guess I'm kind of mean. I'm like, oh. That's what you get. You guys bite people. That's what you get. <laughs> I mind my business. You mind your business, bugs. That's right. You know what? <laughs> you started it. <laughs> and they've recently kind of rethought this. So I don't know that this is still the predominant theory, but they thought that in the year 1900, a banana boat from Brazil ended up going into New Orleans and that these ants came off of that boat, the fire ants that we know and love today in the South, <laughs> and they have migrated. You should see the maps. Like they, here's here's where the fire ants were in 1900. Here's where they were in 1910. And they just fan out from New Orleans. It's creepy. It, it's gross. And they get to Atlanta, I think, uh, around 1970 or so. And so today they're up. They have found traces of them, I believe, as far north as Kansas. Uh, build the wall. Build the wall and stop the ants. Yeah. Build the wall for those things. Right, right. And and I think they're up in, uh, let's see, Maryland pushing up uh, into Delaware, maybe southern New Jersey. I mean, they are freaks, and they're evil, and they're spreading. But the reason I say they might be changing their science on that is, this is now this is fascinating. They have compared the kinds of colonies today with the colonies in 1900 and they're thinking oh wait they're so different that maybe it wasn't from that original theory in 1900 so they don't know but either way they are spreading northward and they are evil little turds yeah i remember indiana i could walk around in grass with no right. no shoes or socks on that's the thing we go to nebraska you know we visit family up there quite a bit and it's great not even having because you have to constantly be vigilant in the south and have that in the back of your mind if you want to go barefoot or even if you're wearing shoes and socks you've got to constantly keep your eyes on the ground but we get a reprieve when we go to a place like Nebraska and you're like, oh, I can run around and not even think about getting bitten by just standing here minding my own business. Mm -hmm. It's a thing. If you live north of the Mason-Dixon line, consider that uh, a one in the plus column as far as uh, 
As fire ants go. <laughs> okay. Um, I know that when you were running for mayor, you had uh, some social media handles uh, for that specifically, but you also have one just for who you are, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds so stupid. You got, you got, so you got the the mayor handle, and now you've got the one for who you are, uh, Donnie the Don, D O N I T H E D O N. Yes, that's again, the main one. That's that's on Twitter, that's on Gab, that's uh, on everything. Everything. So yeah. if people are looking for you on the socials, Donnie the Don, D O N I the Don. And then my political page is now yeah. Donnie for Texas. Okay, that's smart. Keep it generic, mm-hmm. right? Do you have any inclination as to what you might be looking at next as far as politics go? Not exactly for sure yet, but if anything, I'll be looking at precinct chairs. That's interesting. Tell me what a precinct chair does. They're the ones to help get the vote out. They have like their little precinct in the county for the Republican Party, and they're the ones who sh- are out outreaching in their area to get people to vote and um, educating people on what's going on in the party, educating mm. them what's going on, who's running for office and all that information. So honestly, Sounds like an important job that people don't even think about. Yeah, and there's a lot of empty seats too. Mm. Um, not just in Tarrant County, but Dallas County too. My thing is if we we can start from the bottom, like there's not just locally like running for office, but also in, our, in the party. The Republican Party does not represent what my values are, what they say the values are. I don't even think they know what they represent, to be honest, hmm. at this point. So anything that uh, we haven't covered, are we good? I think we're okay. good. Well, thanks for coming down here, and, and please keep me updated if you decide to uh, run for some sort of office. Definitely uh, clue us in, you know? Thank you. I appreciate that. Sure thing. It was so great getting to know Donnie Anthony. I have no doubt you're going to hear more about her, and I'm sure she will be involved in politics for a very long time. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of At The Mic. And on behalf of both of my guests, Laverne and Donnie, I want to thank you for stopping by for these conversations today. If you enjoy the time that we share here on At The Mic, I hope that you'll share this podcast with your friends and your family who may need some good conversations in their life as well. And also, don't forget, we're rapidly closing in on the holidays with Christmas the season of giving right around the corner. Please do consider stopping by at themikeshop.com. Check out all of the merchandise available there. I look forward to the next time we sit down with another relatively new friend of mine, and quite possibly yours, Amy Warrior. She's going to be here to tell us about her story. That's next week's edition of At The Mike. Until then, go be free, and thank you for listening. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to atthemikeshow.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect. Hey, the holidays, they're going to be here before you know it. Trust me on this. I've seen the calendar. You have to make sure that your house has the right aromas for the season. And you do that with handcrafted candles burning brightly from Goblin Shoe Candle Company. They have the perfect candles for every occasion and for every season. There are so many awesome scents to choose from, from Goblin Shoe Candles. They make the surroundings of my home smell so good, and they're going to do the same for you. Check out their excellent selection today when you head to goblinshoecompany.com for all of your candle needs. Or if it's easier to spell, it's goblinshoeco.com. goblinshoecompany.com. Head there today.